Welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. This week, I got to chat with the author of the book The Wild Inside, Jamie Bradbury. We talked about how she was always a creepy kid growing up, why she loves watching her favorite horror movies over and over, which horror movies she uses to go to sleep, and how horror movies serve her as a testing ground. We also talked about her current favorite horror genre that she's exploring and why she couldn't sleep for a week after seeing The Ring in theaters. I wanted to acknowledge up front that my sound quality is a little bit questionable in this episode. Jamie's voice is fine, but mine had a lot of feedback and I did my best to tone it down, but it still might have some feedback to it. So just feel free to ignore my voice and listen to Jamie since that's what this podcast is all about. One last thing before we get into this episode, if you love the show and haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, I'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us. Thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. It's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us. I think I've rambled enough, so let's get into this episode with Jamie Bradbury. Hey Jamie, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, et cetera? Sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Jamie Bradbury, and I live in Anchorage, Alaska. I've <laughs> been here for about 20 years. I came up from the Midwest, but Illinois wasn't cold enough for me, so I moved to Alaska. By day, I'm a communication specialist for an Alaska Native social services organization, but the rest of the time, I write fiction. And my first novel came out a couple of years ago in March, and uh, yeah, it's about a young woman who wants to be a musher and she lives in rural Alaska, but she has kind of a supernatural gift for understanding animals in a way that no one else does. And it's a bit of a horror adjacent wilderness thriller, I would say. Awesome. So first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I've been thinking about this and I have to cheat and single out two different scary movies because I feel like the scary movies of like the 1970s and 80s versus scary movies now are like, they feel very different to me. So my favorite classic uh, horror movie is definitely John Carpenter's The Thing. I have a real soft spot living in Alaska for um, (laughs) horror movies that take place in really cold environments. And I feel like there aren't enough of them. Like there's The Thing, there's that weird not that great horror movie Frozen that came out a few years ago, not the Disney movie, but the other one on a ski lift. But yeah, I feel like cold settings, Arctic settings are such a good setting for horror movies because on top of whatever you've got, whether it's like, you know, a ghost or, you know, a thing from Antarctica that's taking over people's bodies. um, On top of that, then you have the cold environment that's going to throw so many other obstacles in your way for the characters in your movie. So I feel like there need to be more cold weather horror (laughs) movies like the thing. But my favorite modern horror movie is the 2018 remake of Suspiria. I can't stop watching it for some reason. (laughs) I think I've watched it like 20 times since I first watched it. And I use horror movies to go to sleep to a lot Mm -hmm. of times. And that one I find really great to fall asleep to. (laughs) Not that it's boring. Um, Sometimes it actually keeps me up. But yeah, I just love that one um, so much. I like the original Suspiria, but I think the remake is just so interesting. The time period that they chose to set it in, I think gives it this real kind of sense of urgency and menace around the dance theater on top of what's going on inside the dance theater. And I really love the femininity of the movie. Like, I think there are just so many like themes about women working together, women's, you know, issues, women, the things that women want, women's power. Yeah. I, I love Suspiria from 2018. 
Awesome. I have actually only seen the remake of Suspiria. So yeah, but I really liked it. I really liked Dakota Johnston. I know people don't think she's a very good actress, but that's just because she was in Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, I'm just so interested in her. But I love, I love cold weather horror as well. There's like The Lodge and Hulu just came out with a movie that's like, it's like mediocre. It's fine. It's a good time. It's called No Exit. So that's on there too. It's a bunch of people who get snowed in at like a visitor center in the middle of nowhere. Ooh, I will have to check that one out. I really, I liked The Lodge. And when I saw kind of the twist that was happening, I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Those kids, they deserve everything they got. So how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? So I've, I've always been kind of a creepy kid, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I have always just kind of tended in that direction. I've always been a big reader. And when I was a little kid, I was really interested in Stephen King, but like as an eight-year-old, I was like, maybe I'm not ready for that. (laughs) But there was this uh, writer in the 1980s, her name was Betty Wren Wright. And she wrote these awesome ghost stories for like middle grade type readers. So (laughs) eight, nine, 10 years old, I was reading her books and, you know, I was really kind of chomping at the bit to get into horror movies. When I was really little, my dad and I would watch some of those like old universal monster movies. And I really (laughs) enjoyed those, but yeah, so I've always kind of been interested in horror. And then I kind of like cut my teeth, what I consider like really scary horror. Um, When I was about 11 or 12, I think um, Stephen King's, it was like the first Stephen King movie. I, well, it's a mini series. But that was the first one that like I I watched and it really gave me nightmares. But and yet somehow I enjoyed that feeling. So ever since then, yeah. Like I said, horror is kind of my it's kind of my go-to comfort genre. Like I said, I fall asleep to horror movies a lot. My friends all think I'm insane for doing that. Um, but there's just something about a horror movie that I find them endlessly rewatchable. I just like really enjoy finding new things to discover about the horror movies that I've watched over and over again. So yeah, it's just, it's just a genre that I love. Nice. Very cool. My friend Sharon used to fall asleep to House of a Thousand Corpses. So (laughs) you're not alone in falling asleep to horror. (laughs) So why do you think the people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? All right. This is a question that I think about a lot because I actually get asked by my friends, like, why on earth do you love horror movies? (laughs) much yeah me too Um, yeah exactly and it's really funny it's like hard to explain sometimes but one thing that I think about a lot is that horror movies seem almost like a testing ground for me among my friends I kind of have this reputation of just going out and doing things that might make other people nervous or scared or worried and my friends are always like you're kind of brave like you do crazy stuff like go travel in foreign countries where you don't know the language by yourself and I tell them like it's not because I'm not scared. It's because I'm scared, but like not doing something just because I'm scared makes me feel like my life would be so much smaller. And I honestly think reflecting on that, that that has come from horror movies, like horror movies. I'm not, not scared to watch a lot of movies. Like horror movies do actually scare me, but I think I'm attracted to them because it is kind of this safe place to test yourself and see, okay, I'm scared, but I made it through that movie. I made it through watching The Ring, even though I had to sleep with the lights on for the next week. <laughs> um, so I think that's one thing that like attracts normally kind of sane people to something scary. And I think like, I also really just like enjoy the metaphor of horror movies. Like as a writer, that's why I'm interested in writing horror or horror adjacent stories because the metaphors that horror allows you to talk about things that might otherwise be really difficult to talk about. 
like finding your power as a female or, you know, putting yourself out there in the world, maybe having something that you are ashamed of or scared to talk about, but, you know, horror allows you to do that in a way that feels safe and kind of opens the door on something that's much more difficult. Yeah, that's a great answer. I also travel to countries where I don't know the language by myself. People think I'm just crazy for traveling alone in general. I never find traveling to a country where I don't know the language very scary because people always speak a little bit of English somewhere. I stay in hostels a lot, so it's very like international. I really love how that like, it kind of forces you out of your comfort zone. Like I'm normally kind of an introvert, but when I travel by myself to some place like that, where I don't really know the language and don't know my way around, like it just kind of forces me to reach out and connect to people and be like, oh, okay, I can't find the street. Can you help me? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Where is the quote unquote scariest place you've traveled to by yourself? Well, I was in the Peace Corps when I was in my twenties. And although I had another Peace Corps volunteer with me, a lot of times it was just us two. And, you know, we're like two women traveling by ourselves, usually didn't know much of the language. So sometimes that could be a little scary. We went to Cape Town for holiday over like the Christmas holidays while we were there. And, you know, we're Peace Corps volunteers. We didn't have that much money to begin with. And we basically spent all of our money. So we're like, huh, how do we get back to our village? (laughs) So that was like a combination of begging for rides, um, using the one bus ticket we had left and like hitchhiking, which was not a great idea, but fortunately we made it back in one piece. Nice. Yeah. People told me as well as articles on the internet told me that hitchhiking in in, uh, Iceland was safe. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, just the word. I'm just like, no, no one hitchhikes hikes anymore. You can't do it. It's not safe. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite subgenre in horror? So I, I, I don't have kids, and we were just talking about creepy kids. I've never been a mother, but for some reason, I'm really attracted to like pregnancy horror or mm-hmm. like maternal horror. Like one of my favorite movies for a long time has been Rosemary's Baby. The whole Roman Polanski thing aside, I think it's just like such a beautiful movie and so intelligently made. And that's another one that I've rewatched over and over again, just because I love the balance of like, okay, well, she's this pregnant woman who is automatically kind of like at risk because of the situation she's in. And now, you know, are her neighbors witches? Is she insane? Is she just being really paranoid? So I really like that subgenre. There was a movie a couple of years ago that came out called Kindred, which was like, oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, yeah. That one, I thought oh, that was so good. That would, that gave me the creeps. I would have run away so far from. Yeah. Well, and there's just like all this like fraughtness around pregnancy and like having a baby and being a mother and then people who wants a baby, who doesn't want a baby. Like that movie really tapped into that whole, just kind of like. Yeah. Weird psychological thriller. Yeah. Yeah. Cause remind me, was it, she didn't want the baby, but like her boyfriend or husband's family wanted her to keep it. Right. And yeah, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. Like she wasn't, she was kind of like on the fence and then yeah, he dies and then his family is like, Oh yeah. 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 And then they basically imprison her. Yeah. yeah. Man, that one was so <laughs> Did you see false positive that came out last year? I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, that, that one's super creepy too. And so that is, is that one like a horror comedy? Cause I feel like it's, it's a little, okay. Yeah. It's, I kind of guessed what was going on in it at the beginning, but it's good. It's good. It's, you know, it really creepy if you're a woman. So <laughs> do you listen to the podcast? Plug it up. 
I just listened to the episode that you did with the host and I was okay. like, oh my God, I have to write this yeah. down. I have to start down. All right. Yes. If you love, if you love what you just said, you will love Caitlin's podcast. So <laughs> uh, do you have any favorite horror directors? I do. Yeah. Like I said, I really love John Carpenter for old school stuff. Um, I'm a huge fan of the thing. I love the fog, but like more, well, and I also really like Brian De Palma. Some of his stuff is like way out there. <laughs> Um, but it's really entertaining, but for like more modern horror, I'm really enjoying stuff that Ari Aster does. Like, I can't wait for yeah. his next movie. Watching Hereditary in the theater was like one of those like really visceral, like, yes, I, mean, I think I, I don't usually talk in theaters. Like I'm the person who's like, shut up, be quiet. I'm trying to enjoy the movie. <laughs> but I think I actually shouted out loud in that movie a couple uh. times because I was just like, so taken aback by what was happening. Um, yeah what I remember when seeing that in theaters was that when you when it comes into focus that she's in the corner of the ceiling everyone was like screaming yes that movie is so good about having these little things that you don't notice right away and then like the longer the camera lingers and your eyes start to wander and then you're like oh my god what is this (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh it's good I love that movie um I was on a date with somebody when I saw that and that ended up being our last date so (laughs) I can, I can see that. That's like a good testing <laughs> movie too. Like, all right, can you yeah. handle hereditary? All right, then maybe maybe date number two. We'll come uh, so an article came out in 2020 that said that horror movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? So I know that, you know, horror fans are really good at having community. And I think that helps a lot of people. But on the flip side of that, I also think that horror fans are just really good at kind of living in their own heads. Like, you know, we spend a lot of time watching these things that don't actually exist, like things that theoretically can't actually happen. You pro- they're probably not, well, I do actually kind of believe in ghosts, but <laughs> there's probably not like a werewolf out there that's going to get us. So we spend a lot of time with these like really imaginary things and thinking to ourselves, okay, well, if I was in a zombie situation, what would I do? So I think that all that living in our heads kind of prepared us to be able to cope with a really isolating situation. I know that I spent much of the lockdown just binging horror movies and reading horror novels. Like there was one weekend where I don't think I moved from the couch for like a 48 hour period (laughs) other than to eat and go to the bathroom because I was reading this really awesome, like thousand page horror novel. (laughs) And I was like, this is perfect. Like I I can live my life this way for, you know, (laughs) an extended period of time. That's awesome. What was the lockdown like in Alaska? Anchorage is the biggest city in Alaska. So we did have to kind of There was a time where like the only time I really left my house was to go for a run and it was like living in an apocalypse. (laughs) Like it was just kind of a ghost Uh, town. I remember running downtown in the summertime that year and normally Anchorage is just flooded with people in the summer because, you know, it's a big tourist destination, Alaska, and a lot of people start their tour in Anchorage and then go all around and like the streets were just empty. (laughs) I was like, this really does feel like Dawn of the Dead or something. (laughs) It's very bizarre, but our big problem, our big concern up here was if COVID got into any of the rural villages that are kind of off the road system, so many of them are so tiny that like you get a few people sick and suddenly the whole village is sick and just wiped out. So, uh, you know, a lot of people were not, there was just like no air travel for a long time because we didn't want, you know, illness to get out there. I actually have a friend up here who is, uh, 
a writer. And he wrote this book, his name is Don Reardon, and he wrote this book called The Raven's Gift, which is about a pandemic that sets in in Alaska oh. and like decimates the whole <laughs> state. And like, there are just a few survivors and everybody on Twitter was like, Don, did you make this happen? Did you predict <laughs> Are there any haunted spots in Alaska that you've been to? Yeah, so there's actually a really cool ghost tour that goes on downtown in Anchorage. And they take you to the Captain Cook Hotel, which is like the fanciest hotel here. And the ladies' bathroom stall in the lower level is supposedly haunted. (laughs) And then there's another hotel that's like right on 4th Avenue. It's kind of like an old tiny hotel and it has like a lot of really great ghost stories about, I think it's a ghost that is seen in one particular hallway every now and then. And if you go in and ask about it, like the staff is like, oh yeah, it's totally haunted up there. Oh, that's super cool. Since you said you believe in ghosts, sort of, have you ever had any paranormal experiences? So I, I actually think that my house is haunted. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) So when I first moved into my house, I was like sleeping in one Saturday morning and I felt this presence in my room. And I just kind of had an image of a man in a hat standing in my um, bedroom doorway. I was like in that kind of half awake, half asleep place Mm -hmm. that you are when you're just like waking up in the morning. And I had the distinct impression that this guy came around the foot of my bed to the other side of my bed where I couldn't see him. And I didn't want to move. I was like, you do you buddy. But all of a sudden my cats who were sleeping with me uh, both started purring. So I just had this feeling that this guy was like, just saying hello, being nice to the cats. And then he walked back out of the room. And since then, weird things will happen in my house. Like I will hear footsteps in the lower level of my house and I live alone. So if it's not me (laughs) making the footsteps, it's gotta be something. And a couple of times I've like left the house. I know all the lights are off and I'll come back and a couple of the, like the downstairs lights will be on. So I get the impression that like, this dude hangs out in my basement (laughs) and every once in a while just like turns on the lights to say hello. Oh, that's so creepy. But at least, at least he's nice. He seems friendly. Like I don't get a bad feeling from him. So yeah, you, you've never been, you've never felt compelled to like buy a Ouija board and see what he says. (laughs) I was, so one of my friends really loves it when I tell my little ghost story and she was like, Jamie, tell your story, tell your story. And her partner, Mike, when I got done telling the story, he was like, so you should get a Ouija board. And like, and I was like, fuck no, I have seen enough horror movies. I'm not (laughs) inviting a demon into my house. Yeah. Yeah. What is your ultimate comfort horror movie? Oh man. I think it changes from time to time. It just kind of depends on the mood that I'm in lately. When I, so I, I'm a big napper. And so like in the middle of the day, I might just like, you know, lay down on the couch for a little bit and turn something on. And what I've been going to lately is the Blair Witch Project, which is weird because the ending of that one also really freaked me out. Like all I have to do is think about that guy standing in the corner and I'm just like, get the chills. But for some reason, I find that really comforting. Did you see that Lionsgate? I think is optioning the the franchise and they might make another one. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I'd be excited to see what they do. Like I have a soft spot in my heart for found footage movies. I know maybe some people think they're kind of played out, but I kind of can't get enough. And I, I really love it when somebody does find a way to kind of reinvent the found footage genre. That gets me very excited. So definitely. What are your favorite found footage movies? Um, I do love Blair Witch so much. Paranormal Activity, like that is another one of those movie going experiences that like I'll never forget. (laughs) (laughs) I did not get to see that in theaters and I was so sad about that. But yeah, yeah. 
So you wrote the book, The Wild Inside. Where did the inspiration for the story come from? That's a really good question. Cause I was, it was one of those things where I had kind of an image in my head of a story that I wanted to tell. It was just like a cabin out in the middle of the woods. And I knew that something, you know, the girl that lived in the cabin wasn't there for some reason. She was lost in the woods, but I couldn't figure out how, like what the story was behind it. And it was actually when I read a horror novel called um, Some of Your Blood by Theodore Sturgeon. It's this, it's a very slim horror novel. It was written in the 1960s. And it's about this guy who is an army private. He gets in some trouble and he has to meet with the army psychologist. And the army psychologist encourages him to write his life story. And so he does, but he does it in this very like colloquial manner. He's not very educated. So he doesn't write or speak very well. So the voice in this um, story is like really powerful and spoiler alert for a book that's like over 40 years old, but it turns out that this guy basically drinks blood and that's why he got in trouble. He killed someone, he drank their blood and that's how he sustains himself. So when I read that, the question that came to my mind was what if the protagonist of this novel were female? Like, how does that change the relationship of the character to their own blood, to other people's blood? I think, you know, blood is like a big significant thing in a lot of women's lives just because we menstruate. And so taking that, both that idea and then the voice in that novel, that helped me hone in on the voice of my own book and how this girl who grew up in rural Alaska would sound. And then it also gave me kind of a structure to hang things on, giving her that same problem. Like I need blood to sustain myself. Where am I going to get it? How am I going to get it? And what does that mean to my own relationship to my own body and to the bodies of others? Very cool. What are your favorite horror books? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> you could pick like three. <laughs> okay, <laughs> top three. Um, one that I read a few years ago, I just like randomly picked it up at a bookstore and it ended up being one of those books that just stuck with me. It's called Hex and it's by <gasps> a writer named, yeah, yeah. I've heard that it's really, really good and really scary. It's real, like, so scary movies often will actually scare me. Scary books, like it takes a lot to like really unnerve me. I think because, you know, you put it down and walk away. <laughs> but Hex, first of all, is so good that you don't want to put it down, but it is truly some of the imagery that comes up in that book is just wild. And the way, the thing that happens in the book, like there's kind of this whole town that's involved in this haunting. And at the culmination of everything, the town just kind of like goes insane and falls apart. And the things that people are doing to each other and to themselves, partly because they want to protect their own families, but partly because they've all kind of just been driven insane by their circumstances. It's just... Yeah, it's really incredible. I've actually reread that book a couple times and every time I've reread it, it's still fantastic. I still find things to like really enjoy about it. That's cool. Is it graphic? Um, no, it's not graphic. There, if you're into body horror, there are some body horror things that happen. <laughs> and I have like a really visual imagination too. So some of that stuff does kind of like, ah! but I wouldn't say it's not like bloody, like it's not torture or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, it's just kind of unsettling. It's on my list because I've heard it's really good. I just restarted um, The Last House on Needless Street again today. I've heard, like, I've everyone's raving about it. When I first start, started trying to read it a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't get into it, but I don't think I got far enough into it. So I'm hoping that if I just, like, sit down and read the first, like, 60 pages or something that I'll get into it. But I, I 
was so confused by the first few chapters when I read it. I was like, what's going on? That's um, good to know. Yeah. I just bought that at um, the local bookstore here. I think because yeah. I might, I might've heard it about it from your podcast. Um, but yeah, I was like, that's how I felt. So um, the guy who wrote Hex, he uh, just came out with a book a couple months ago called Echo. And I was like, when it was coming out, I was like, oh my God, this book was written expressly for me because it's totally cold weather horror. And it takes place, it's like a mountaintop disaster story. And I love mountaintop disasters. It's kind of about a haunting or a possession. So I was super, super excited about it. And like, yeah, I got maybe like 60, 80 pages into it. I'm like, it's not catching me for whatever reason. So I'm going to go back to it eventually and like give it another try because I'm excited about it still. But yeah, it's funny how like sometimes books, they have to hit you at the right time, certain ones. Yeah, definitely. I think you probably heard about The Last House on Needless Street from my episode with Ali Malenenko because she was the one who mentioned it first. So. Okay, yeah, yeah. So are you working on any new horror stories now or are you pondering any ideas? I am. So I don't know if you have heard this about writers, like some are plotters and some are pantsers, like they just write by the seat of their pants. I'm normally that kind of writer, but for the first time I have had this book in my head that like, while I've been working on other stuff, it keeps like, you know, speaking up in my brain, like pay attention to me, pay attention to me. (laughs) So finally I was like, okay, listen, I'm going to try plotting because I have all these ideas for this book and I have plotted it out. And I'm now like 80 pages into it which is like the fastest I've ever written anything. And it is about a group of cheerleaders who are actually a coven of witches. And they are working together because they want to get, they want to get even with all the men in town who have done them wrong. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) I kind of think of it as like, if it were a movie, it would be bring it on meets Suspiria. Um, I look forward to that when, when you finish it. (laughs) Yeah. So how do you decide what you want to watch when you're looking for a horror movie to watch? So I have a list now. <laughs> I finally, I used to have like, I would like screen cap tweets that where other people were talking about movies that they just watched, or mm-hmm. I would like text myself if I heard about it, <laughs> like I'm listening to a podcast and I would text myself, oh, you got to watch this one. Um, so I finally compiled that all into one big list. So now I can just go to my phone and say, oh, what am I, what am I in the mood for? That's if I want to watch something new. If I want to watch something, if I'm in the mood for like a comfort movie, I just kind of have to go with like what's been on my mind lately or, you know, what do I yeah. just feel like rewatching? <laughs> what's at the top of your to watch list that's new right now? I was just reading about, cause I was kind of looking for other maternal horror movies and there was a movie that came out, I think in 2019 called delivery or deliverance. And it's about, it's another one where I think the pregnant woman's husband dies and then her mother also like I read that it was, it kind of feels like misery. So it might okay. be a little more tortury than the other one we were talking about, Yeah, but yeah, I kind of want to give it a chance. Awesome. I have not I seen it, the, but yeah. Yeah. And I've been hearing a lot about both Titan. I haven't watched that yet. And X, I want to check both of those out. Yeah. Titan is a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, I always say she has sex with a car and that's the least crazy thing that happens in the movie. <laughs> so do it that way you will there's body horror in it yeah it's it's batshit insane um, <laughs> I do enjoy body horror so that that yeah. part definitely appeals to me X was really good too but it's more like funny sort of like old like 70s horror ish but a little bit more modern so I like it are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again 
Yes, I will not. I have not watched and will not watch The Human Centipede. That's one of those movies where just like, just thinking about the title, like kind of <laughs> grosses me out. There's another podcast that I was listening to, The Bechtel Cast, and they-, they I listened to that. That was amazing. <laughs> I was like, thank you for doing the Lord's work and watching yeah. The <laughs> And then telling me all, because like, there is like a weird morbid curiosity that I have. Like, I'm yeah. like, I don't know, man, it's a horror movie. But they did the whole synopsis and now I never have to watch it. <laughs> and I know now that I am right in never watching it. <laughs> yes. But I love that they took their synopsis of it so seriously. Yeah. And that they were like, this movie, no, this text. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I love the conversations that they have around stuff. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? <laughs> Yeah. So I mentioned this earlier. I think I went to see the ring in the theater and when that girl caught on that television, I don't know, it unhinged me. I was like, this is not what I was expecting. <laughs> I had my like fingers plastered over my face, but again, like there's that like dichotomy of, oh my God, I don't want to see this, but I have to look at this. So I was like watching through my fingers as the thing was happening. And you know, some movies you walk out of and you come down and you're like, okay, well, that was a, that was a movie and I enjoyed it. Now I can move on with my life. I could not move on with my life. <laughs> I spent the night sleeping on the couch in the living room that night with the television on, because I was like, at least it won't turn itself on if it's already on. <laughs> um, and just in case someone crawls out of it. And also, I don't know if this is a false memory or if this actually happened because we talked about it so much, but the friend that I had gone to see the ring with she either actually did this or threatened to do it, but she wanted to call me once I got home and then just whisper seven days in my <laughs> ear when I picked up the phone. I don't think she must have actually done it because I think I would have had a heart attack, but like on the spot if she had done that. Oh, I love that. I also saw the ring in theaters. I think I went once and then I went back the next week because I liked it so much. But I remember, I remember the audience's reaction when she, when Samara crawls out of the TV, so... It was great. Yeah, it was very brave of you to rewatch it immediately. I think it like took me maybe a good five, 10 years before I rewatched it. And now I love it. Like now I just like rewatch it for fun and I don't mind watching her crawl out of television anymore. <laughs> you have, you said you have cats. Do any of them have horror related names? <laughs> they don't. One is named after a character in a short story and one, one is actually named after a very bizarre moment in Anchorman. And oh, okay. I regret having named my do my cat Dr. Noisewater because I have to explain to the vet every time <laughs> I go. It's not for conversation. I had to, before I got my second cat who is like laying in a puddle of sunlight over to my left, I adopted a cat and his name, the name that he came with was Biscuit. And I was like, well, that's cute, but you know, like let's give him something a little more me. So I named him Captain Howdy after the demon and the exorcist. And he turned out to be kind of a demon cat and <laughs> he wouldn't get along with my first cat. So I ended up rehoming him, but uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe horror movie names for my cats are not a great idea after all. Uh, yeah. I would really, if I ever adopt another female cat, I would really love to name her Samara. That would be great. A little yeah. black cat named Samara. That'd be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I wanted kids and I had a daughter, I might name her Samara. So, but no, Good luck with your name, kid. Well, what has been your favorite horror movie that you've seen so far in 2022? 
I just watched Fresh a couple weeks ago and I I really liked that movie. It was so much fun and it was so surprising. Like that was one I where like I couldn't predict what was yeah. gonna happen next. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That when you realized what was happening, you were like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so at least I was. So oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what horror movie are you most looking forward to seeing in the rest of 2022? I feel like everybody's answer is nope. And I am like really excited for that one, but I'm also super excited for the black phone. I saw that trailer in the theater, like a few weeks ago. And I forgot, I had forgotten actually that I had read that short story from Joe Hill's collection, like ages ago. And that reminded me, I was like, Oh my God, I got to reread that story before the movie comes out. But the movie looks like it's going to be, it's really well done. So I'm super excited to see that one. Yeah. I feel like the trailers have shown a lot so far. So I'm trying to not watch any more trailers, but the story looks really interesting and it's, you know, the same team that did Sinister, which was really frightening. So really looking forward to that as well. So are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like, or do you hold any unpopular horror movie opinions? I think that, well, I feel like the, the update of the Blair Witch Project, the Blair Witch, I think it was just called the Blair Witch. Yeah. I have the feeling that like, maybe that didn't get great reception, but it's another one that like, since I've rewatched it, like I really kind of enjoy it. I kind of like how it plays with what happened in the original movie, but, you know, allows new characters to kind of discover new things in the forest. And like, it wasn't just, you know, the updated one wasn't just about, ah, we're lost in a forest and (laughs) something is probably haunting us. Like it kind of took it in a new direction with like the temporal disturbances and, you know, what was really happening inside the house. So yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate that one, even though it might be kind of a cheesy remake or update. No, I really enjoyed that too. I didn't see it until like a year and a half ago. And then I I really enjoyed it. If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? Okay, so one of the very first things that I remember scaring me besides Stephen King's It um, was there was this old movie called The Watcher in the Woods and it had Betty Davis in it. I think it might've been a Disney movie or it was like (laughs) on the Disney hour in the evening or whatever. I remember I have a very distinct memory of watching that at my grandma's house and being totally freaked out by it. And it's just like a little horror story about a family who moves to England. Their next door neighbor is Betty Davis. She's kind of a weirdo, but the house that they moved into, the daughter mysteriously disappeared at one point, but there's all this like weird stuff about these kids, like going and having a seance. And then like the daughter becomes possessed by the ghost of the other daughter. I don't know. It's a very strange little movie, but I also think it would be like really fun to remake for a modern audience and just kind of play with, I think that there needs to be like more horror for like middle grade young adult that what who would be considered young adult readers but like for that kind of audience you talk on this podcast about like pg-13 horror and I like I think that's where it's really fun to see directors and writers kind of play around because you have constraints on you um, yeah. as a creator and I think a lot of times when there are those constraints it forces you to be a little more creative with how you scare your audience and like what you show them so yeah I think that would be a fun one to kind of play around with Definitely. I'll have to look that up because I think I've heard of it, but I've never, I've never seen the original one. Yeah. I haven't run into a lot of people who remember watching that one. So yeah. Yeah. What did you, if you love the original miniseries of it, what did you think of Andy Muschietti's part one and part two remake? 
I really liked part one. I was totally into it. And then part two, I felt like a little let down by. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, I wasn't as interested in the grownups once they became grownups. <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> so if you could spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? Part of me wants to say the Babadook because like, Although he would be a real pain in the ass, like when you're trying to sleep, once you like defeated him and stuck him down in your basement, like all you have to do is like bring him some dirt every once in a while and he's going to be fine. So like, he might be an okay roommate. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Oh yeah. I am most active on Instagram where I'm Jamie B. That's J-A-M-E-Y-B-E-E. Um, and I'm also on Twitter, just under my name, Jamie Bradbury. People can follow me on Facebook, but I almost never post there unless I have like a book coming out. But yeah, that's where I am on socials. All right, cool. Well, I will talk to you soon. Okay, thanks so much. This is a ton of fun. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jamie Bradbury. And thanks again to Jamie for coming on. I'll leave links to her socials in the show notes, as well as where you can buy The Wild Inside. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at who's there, PC at gmail.com. Until next time, stay scary and get vaccinated. <laughs>